Welcome to the East Westicism Podcast, where our host, Todd Perlmutter, shares the lessons he's learned spending eight years living with gurus, monks, lamas, and shamans across 35 countries and five continents. Join in the journey as he brings the best scientifically proven methods for living your best life from the East and the West straight to you. The path to peace, love, health, and happiness starts here. Hello and welcome back to Path to Peace with Todd Perlmutter. I am your host, Todd Perlmutter. Thank you so much for listening. Today I'm going to share my story of my first meditation retreat. I was exploring several different meditation retreats and there were some easy ones, some hard ones. I decided to start with the most difficult one and then I figured it would be downhill from there and smooth sailing and get out of the way the hardest one. So by hard, I mean 12 hours plus meditation per day. No phones, no talking, no looking at people in the eyes, so you're just staring at the ground. Complete silence, uh, you know, no books, no magazines, no phones. Wake up at 4 a.m. It was called the Vipassana Meditation Retreat. It was 12 days, founded by a man named Goenka, who discovered this in... Myanmar, this type of meditation and these teachings. He was looking for Buddhism before it became a religion. He was trying to find the original teachings of the Buddha, and he found it in Myanmar, perhaps Burma at the time when he was there. And he, I believe, either became a monk or just uh, was studying and he just fell in love and he knew that he needed to get these teachings out because these are the original teachings of the Buddha that happened within the first 400 years after Buddha died. And the way Goenka describes it is the original teachings are very pure. There's nothing about becoming a monk or building statues and golden statues of the Buddha or worshiping him like a god. It was just really the teachings of how to become enlightened, how to meditate. And he says that religions are essentially businesses. And he didn't mean this in a negative way, but what he meant was when we first have a teacher who tells us what we need to hear and shows us what we need to see, we are able to get this true teaching. But over time, as the teachings get away from the original teacher, they tend to focus on expansion. And to do that, it's much easier to say to someone, all you have to do is say these two prayers and you're blessed, than it is to say, sit down for a half hour or an hour and close your eyes and focus on your breath. 
people want that quick fix. Unfortunately, we're, we have a lazy impulse inside of us. And so when a person sells us a easy, beautiful story, we're very willing to buy that. And so instead of giving people what they need, it's about giving people what they want. And that's really what happens to any organization. It's, it's about recruitment, expansion, and satisfying the customer. So Goenka was in search of this original teaching. And he, I think he was a business owner, uh, but he had some, maybe some mental struggles or maybe he had some physical struggles. And he discovered these original teachings. And it was so simple, so profound that he had to share this with the world. And he created retreats around the world. They're all free. They're donation only. And they won't even take your money until the end of the retreat so that you don't feel like you're giving money to something, but you don't know what you're giving it to. It's very, very noble in that respect. And so I I decided on this place because I wanted to get it out of the way. And when I get there, you know, we they, they take our phones, <laughs> they take our books, they they take everything. They kind of give you the schedule, which, like I said, starts at 4 a.m., goes till the late evening, and it's all meditation except for meals and a one-hour video we watch at night, which is just Goenka teaching the early Buddhist philosophies. This place is really bare bones. We had a, I had a very tiny bedroom that I shared with someone else. There was barely enough room to stand in. And if we were both standing, we, we couldn't uh, get to the bathroom. So someone would have to be on the bed. It was so small. Very bare bones. Almost felt like a prison. You know, you're woken up at 4 a.m. and you're marched into the meditation hall and they'll tap you on the shoulder every time you look like you're dozing off or you're slouching. And I will say that it was brutal and the most incredible experience of my life and transformative and insightful and mind-expanding. The first five or six days, I was just in pure misery. My back was hurting so bad. They make you sit on the floor, cross-legged, and I, my back was screaming. And I, along with probably half the students, there was about uh, maybe 30 of us, and half of us, I think, at one point or another, begged the meditation instructor to let us sit in a chair or sit it with our back against the wall. And he said the same thing to everyone. He said, um, were you in a accident? And I said, no. He said, did you have back surgery? I said, no. He said, go sit on the floor. <laughs> the only guy he gave a chair to who asked was like a hundred year old man and everyone else just felt like, you know, a little pampered idiot for even asking 
when there's this guy who clearly deserves a chair. Maybe I was strengthening my core muscles for the whole time. And, or I don't know if I just suddenly released the stress that was causing my back pain. But on day six, my back pain just disappeared. I had no more back pain. And I'm positive that it was the stress of the first six days because something else happened on the seventh day. Over the first six days, my mind, which was mostly saying this sucks, but it was also replaying every conversation I've ever had in my life, every song I knew was being played in my mind, every movie I've ever seen, all the dialogue was like running through my mind over and over and over again. And my mind was just grasping at something to think about in this place where there was nothing to think about. Food was prepared for us. We didn't, uh, you know, have to think about anything at all. And my thoughts were getting quieter and quieter and quieter until day seven, I couldn't hear them at all. It was the weirdest feeling not thinking. I couldn't tell if I was thinking, but I couldn't hear my thoughts anymore. But that is just what happens when you stop thinking. It's, it's a strange feeling and an incredibly peaceful feeling. And I was generating so much stress those first few days. In fact, probably about 10 people quit the retreat on day two, three, four, because it was so difficult. And my mind was just screaming, this is the worst, this sucks, I can't wait till this is over, get me out of here, maybe I'll just leave everything. And I truly believe that my back was purely stress-related and that once I accepted the situation, my stress was gone. And I was on cloud nine. I was in heaven. It was the greatest experience of my life until that point. I've never experienced such bliss and peace. I didn't know it was possible. The meditation was pretty simple. It was mostly breath meditation. And then after we did breath meditation for a few days, we did body awareness meditation, which is where you scan your body very slowly. It takes about 10 minutes or so to go from your tip of your head to your toes scanning every inch of your body and just putting your attention at each place and then going from your toes back to your head and you just do that over and over again all day. And you're really taking your consciousness out of your head where it normally is and you're sending it through your body. And this is a beautiful practice because what happens is you become more aware. Your, your awareness becomes expanded and you just tap into this higher consciousness because you're conscious of so much more. And after meditating even on your breath for days on end, 12 hours or more a day, you become heightened, heightened, you have a heightened awareness of your, of all the subtleties of your breath. And this translates to a higher awareness of subtleties all around you. You know, what you stare at all day, every day, suddenly has a richness and a depth that you never noticed before. Infinite complexity and uh, new beauty to the world. And I tell you, on day 12, I was like, I don't even want to leave. 
I was so happy. And then also at the end when you finally get to talk to everyone and share everyone's experience and it's so fun to go back to the real world knowing with that inner peace, everything you've ever done becomes more enjoyable with that full inner fulfillment and contentment when you're totally happy with whatever situation there is in front of you, then good things are great and great things are amazing and just everything is better. Even horrible things are great because we're not relying on that for our happiness anymore. And the teachings by Goenka were so profound. You know, it was, it's very much Buddhism, but before it became a religion. So it was essentially purely the philosophy and you could almost call it psychotherapy of what the Buddha taught. And I would call the Buddha really the first therapist or the first scientist, neuroscientist of the mind because Buddhism really was the first science of the mind, in my opinion. In Buddhism, they observe the mind, which is the foundation of all science, observation, study. They will test out a theory, a a, a type of meditation, for example. They will rigorously debate the philosophy or the meditation techniques. They will refine it, improve it, and test it again. Observe it, refine it, test it. And this is pretty much the several thousand year old scientific process that makes the Buddhists so far advanced when it comes to understanding the nature of the mind and the nature of suffering and the nature of our reality. This is why Scientists have said to the Dalai Lama, I can't believe you all figured these quantum principles out without electron microscopes, to which the Dalai Lama responded, I can't believe you all figured it out without meditation. (laughs) And uh, there's so much common ground. You know, it's why the Dalai Lama is also a scientist. And it's why quantum mechanics, neurosciences, are all catching up to what the Buddhists have known all along. And some of those philosophies that Goenka would teach in his videos that we watched were that essentially all suffering comes down to attachment. We know that everything is temporary, but because we don't see things decay with our own eyes, because we can't speed time up enough in our mind to to really perceive decay and, and what looks like solid things transforming, we fall for the illusion of permanence. And when we become attached to an impermanent thing, naturally suffering occurs. And under this law of attachment is this constant craving pleasure and avoiding pain that drives all human beings, all animals, really. We think that our happiness comes from pleasure and avoiding pain. And this is a fallacy. 
according to early Buddhist philosophy and according to what we experience in our own lives. The truth of the matter is that pleasure leads to pain because we are always chasing it. It's always disrupting our inner peace. We're always trying to find something outside of us to bring us lasting happiness. But a chocolate cake is only good for a few seconds when it's in your mouth, that first bite. And we take another bite. But if we keep chasing that pleasure, soon we'll have a stomachache and we'll feel terrible. And we're just chasing that pleasure, but it leads to pain. And similarly, we avoid pain. And because you can't avoid pain your whole life, when we think our happiness is tied to avoiding pain, we inevitably experience immense suffering when that pain arrives because we have created in our mind this expectation that we should avoid it, can't avoid it, that it must be avoided. But the reality of our lives is that life is change. It goes up and it goes down. And if our inner peace and our inner joy are not there, we will continue to seek pleasure and avoid pain and keep being disappointed when we realize that these are not the sources of lasting happiness. In meditation, you learn these experiences firsthand. You know, we learn the knowledge from Goenka's videos, but in the meditation practice, we understand it on the deepest level because we experience it. I would notice negative thoughts, and then I would notice a minute later, they're gone, and I, I'm on to something else, and there's no more negative thoughts. And then I'd notice a minute later, they come back. And the more you just observe this constantly changing nature of reality, the more you understand there is only impermanence. And as, as you notice the back pain come and go and come and go, as you notice little itches come and go without even needing to scratch them, everything changes. And meditation is a microcosm of life where you can perceive this and really get it on a deep level. Because it's one thing to just be told and to know, but it's another thing to understand it on a gut level where every atom of your being understands this and you don't get attached to pleasant situations that will inevitably change. And there becomes this absence of grief and loss and only a joy and vibrancy because everything is beautiful, different, and changing. So that was my experience at this incredible place. I never seen another place like it. I'd love to do it again, and I can't recommend it enough. On day 12, I was I was definitely thrilled to leave, but I was also excited to bring the lessons that I had learned with me and that new state of mind as a catalyst for continuing my meditation practice. So if you get the chance, check it out. I believe the website is dhamma.org. Dhamma.org. 
you got nothing to lose because it's free. So check it out. Hope you love it. And um, that was my experience at the most difficult, but the most beneficial meditation retreat uh, and my first meditation retreat. So thank you so much for listening. Um, It's been a pleasure. Peace and love. Uh, Talk to you next time. You were listening to the East Westicism podcast. Be sure to visit us at eastwesticism.org to join the conversation and receive enlightening emails. Until next time.